Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. In this week's episode of The Kindness Project, we talk about cute cats, coffee, and we have part three of our interview with Louise Mundy from HBBS Counselling. Welcome, my friends, to another episode of The Kindness Project. Project. I'm joined by a girl who's leaving me. And the boy, who I wish would leave me every now and again, it's Russell and Charlotte. Don't worry. How are we doing, ladies and gents? I'm off. <laughs> not like Russ, don't worry about it. It's not like I'm leaving you entirely. I'm just moving you just, six hours you away. You just moved into an, to a different country, Charlotte. I mean, we we still will be doing the kindness project. Clearly, we'll still be making sure that you know we can we can carry on um, do, doing this. I can't believe. That we have, at Russ, how long have we actually been doing this now? Is it five years? Just shy of five years. Yeah. Just in October, it'll be five years we've been recording this. We've never missed a week, have yep. we? Never missed a week. I mean, I know we have like best dog shows and stuff like that. That's like over Christmas when we're. Yeah, over, over Christmas when you're spending time with the family or a couple of times when you've been away and not been able to get a connection. But other than that, we've never missed a waking. Five years. Five cool years. And we are carrying on. We are carrying on uh, basically because we've got a book coming out. But also, I, you know what? It's funny. A few, few weeks ago, I listened to episode one. Um, <laughs> and uh, in episode one, the part of the reason we start the Kindness Project is because uh, I mentioned in episode one that I didn't want to write a book. Um, and that book is now done and is actually coming out in November, Russ. Can you believe it? Tony took five years, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm Russ, just, to Russ, be honest, I've been lazy, Russ, haven't I? I'm, Russ, I'm like... Russ, at least this one is finished, eh? You don't you don't have the editing and that to do for this. You could at least you could have done it for the book quicker. I know I should have done really, shouldn't I? But I've got a business to run and exams to pass and a like life to lead and all that sort of stuff, travelling to do and all that sort of stuff. Sorry, that have we got cute cat. What sorry, you are you have now got the zoom um you you are now you are now king of Zoom, Russ, because what you have done is brought a pet onto a Zoom call. Sorry, I, I won't conduct a business meeting like this, but the scene as if you have uh, a <laughs> uh... Do you want to introduce us to the cat? Does anyone say hello on the podcast? Or... Uh, Ruby's getting a bit uptight because Kenny's not been here much to give her cuddles. Right. Aww. So Ke- is, is Ruby Kelly's cat or is it your cat? Well, it's neither of our cats, so... Uh, what? You stole the cat? <laughs> what? I don't know if you remember Mandy, Mummy's mate. Yeah. She she had to move at one point because, because for personal reasons, and two of her cats couldn't go with her. Anyway, she asked Teddy if... She take them, so they're actually Mandy's cats. But they're Mandy's cats. They're so settled that they they don't want to take them back. I mean, to be honest, 
I got a bit worried there, Rose, because I thought you'd been staying in camp. I'm, I'm not randomly going out catnapping in the middle of the night. <laughs> uh, no, I know, I know it's quiet where you live, Rose, but you need a better hobby if you're going out pinching cats. No, I'm not randomly. I thought you were going to make a, make a joke about it being quiet so you nick the cats for company. Yeah. Are you lonely, Russ? Is that why you no, no. cats? I'm not lonely. I like my own company. You know what? I yeah. think... No, I, I, you know what? I think I am an... I mean, out of the three of us, I'm probably the most extrovert. Yeah, um, probably the least. Uh, I, I think... Hmm, I don't know. What do you think? I just have a social battery that drains really quickly. Yeah, but that that is the sign of an introvert, isn't it? You know, like, introverts like being around people, but they also need a bit of me time. Yeah, I just want to sit in my room, listen to my podcasts, and write my funny little stories and poems. Yeah, exactly. So, I just want to sit indoors and do what I want to do. Yeah. I, I, like, it's so much energy. Like, because I don't know if either of you is this way. I am the coordinator for events going on and like schedules mostly because I take it on myself because I enjoy organizing things um but like I'm always the one that's like managing everyone's schedules in my friend group I'm like okay who's doing what when when can we actually arrange something how long is everyone available for certain periods of time and then by the point you get to the thing it's like okay let's do this see for me from a personal point of view it's the unknown so if I can't plan for it, I feel very uncomfortable with it. I, I, I'm a creature of habit. Mm. So we were talking last week about my gym, but there's certain machines I use at the gym. I get uncomfortable if I can't use them machines. Uh, when I eat out, I only eat in certain places. Because you know what you're getting. I, I, feel, I feel uncomfortable with... If yeah, I but then I suppose, I suppose there's two elements to that, isn't there? Number one, if you're a creature of habits, habit and your habits aren't serving you, your habits aren't helping you live your life. I don't know. You know I, like the, I like the food I get in the restaurants and I like the machines I use at the gym. There's no, but what I'm saying is that's not the only habits, is it? The habits might be not to exercise or the habits might be to use work different parts of your body to give you a bit more balance or try a different class. You well, know, I'm, I I'm trying to I'm trying to broaden my horizons a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, to be honest, I think we're all humans by nature of creatures of habit, aren't mm. we? we? We want to unconsciously do most stuff because then it makes our life easier. But the challenge you've got is do those habits help you live a happier life? And if they do, they're the right habits, aren't they? Um, but if they don't, you need to look at those. I think, personally, you need to look at those habits and go, you know, is this hindering me or helping me? And what do I need to do about it? All right. Unofficial question of the podcast. Changing the subject from this heavy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's favourite machine at the gym. I am a... I am a fan <laughs> of the Coke machine. <laughs> what are you a fan oh, of? We, we, we haven't got Coke machines, but... It seems counterproductive. No, I'm joking. We haven't got a Coke machine at my gym. Uh, I've got one that serves protein chocolate bars, which is... No, we haven't nice. got one of them, um, 
what sort of gym are you going to? What, what machines you got at your gym? Uh, treadmills. Treadmill. No. Weight machines, you know. So what move did you just make? The birdie move. You know the machine that goes like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What it does your pecs. And I'm and I'm starting to do a bit of weights, like freehand weights. Nice. Uh, the favourite machine at my gym. I like. Uh, uh, I think they're called. Eclipse. I can't remember, but they've. somebody and you're both like sort of getting over it although my mate mike right i've known mike for oh, years now, probably about probably about four or five years i've known him donkeys he's a really good guy my mate mike um i met him at my old gym and there is it is at my new gym um and uh well i haven't trained with him 
for years, right? I haven't trained with him for probably about two or three years because he never used to come to my classes. So last time we went out for a drink, he said to me, look, I'm doing this class, why don't you come? I've forgotten how much noise he makes. So he's an, he's a like... He's he like a, a female tennis player. No, i tell you what he does, right? He'll go like to pump himself up. But between like, we'll do it in 30 seconds. Oh, like, like, like the hacker. No, this is what he does. So he'll do his 30 second hit routine. And look, I'm a noise maker at the gym. When I'm throwing the medicine ball down, I'm like, all that sort of stuff. Oh, you're the but, female tennis player. But I'm the female tennis player. Um, um, uh, but what Mike, what Mike does at the end of 30 seconds, he's like, come on! Then. But, all right, Mike, you've only done 30 seconds worth of work. Cheers, he's cheers, trying his best, leave him. Yeah, no, you know what? It is a self-motivation. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what he's doing. Um, but when he's in his Liverpool football shirt and his headband, he looks like a uh, um, uh, 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 modern version of Mr. Motivator. Um, let's move on with this show. There is no, a no, no, no. Before, Russell, how many cups have you got behind you? How many cups? Yeah. Uh, eight. <laughs> Why do you need eight cups? <laughs> Why? Yeah. <laughs> because I make them in the morning and then I drink them through the day. You're joking. Not eight cups of coffee. Yeah, eight cups of coffee I have on average a day. You know that can kill you, right? No, I'm fine. <laughs> Filtered or instant? No, instant black, no sugar. Decaf? Uh, no, no decaf. Have you worked at how much caffeine that actually is and whether that could kill an elephant? Right, I have half a spoon of coffee, it's fine. Is it fine? So that, that's like four cups, right? Yeah, four cups they can kill you. Can it? You were probably not into that research because I don't really worry because you were drinking seven cups of coffee a day. <laughs> well, you need to bear in mind if I die and they cremate me, it might come out like coffee beans and you take them home and grind them. <laughs> no thanks. Um, uh, on that note, here's one to Uncle Russ. <laughs> Cheers, Russ. He died how he lived. I'm, I'm a, I'm, 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 <laughs> he died how he lived. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I only noticed it. <laughs> See, the problem is, I, I'm now thinking about how much coffee I drink. A lot less than you lot. used to. Yeah, well, I'm I mean, like you know what, during lockdown, I, 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 I had to calm it down at one point because I was drinking way too much. That, that, that's exactly why I come off. Why do you do eight at the same time and just not one at a time? Just so that I've, I've got my hand if I want them. So if I'm busy... But surely they get cold, don't they? I, I drink them cold anyway. Yeah. I drink coffee cold anyway. I don't like hot coffee. So you make them all early, so you give them time to cool? Yeah, more or less. And on do you have the first one? Uh, the first one, I'll put a bit of cold water in, a little bit. Then next one, next one, next one, and then the last four are hot, because that'll take me 
I won't have no more, I won't make no more coffee now until tomorrow morning. And I'll drink that through the day. Just uh keep me ticking over until until someone Until you explode out of caffeine uh caffeine <laughs> I thought it was three. I thought we had three behind no, him. Eight. All, all and, and you know what I'm surprised about? It's eight and there's a system. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's only eight. It's not only five. It's just divided up. You should know by now. And lines them up every day. You should know by now. Nearly everything in my life is systematized. <laughs> so, Russ, Russ, question. Are they all in the same white cup with the, the black grip? No, so four's in the white cups and four's in Costa cups. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I only thought it was three. I saw him reach for one and I was like, that's a lot of cups. Have you got a milkshake at the end just to like give you some no. bit of variety? No. no. All coffee. All, all I'm more on this drink is coffee, so... Yeah, you know what? I I I definitely I am the same way. I definitely uh, drink too much coffee. However, Charlotte has got a water with her coffee, and I need to. Get, that's not mine. Uh, I think that's yours. I need to get a bit more. I have, water I have the occasional juice, yeah. like more with dad juice. Yeah. Do you have the occasional gin? No. No. So I've got a tea in the kitchen that I haven't drunk, and I've got a water bottle in the fridge. about what's going on here right it's charlotte's last live podcast right <laughs> I felt like and I we have there. picked the most mundane <laughs> conversation introverts and extroverts and russell's bizarre coffee habits <laughs> as our last thing we're ever going to talk about well, that's so that once we move to totally remote then they get a bit of extra what do you mean well, shall I be able to tell us what she's doing in Scotland? Exactly. Our union's going. Yeah. All the exciting people she's meeting. 100%. All the exciting jobs I'm doing. 100%. Exactly. 100%. See, no, Russ, I'm completely on board with the multiple drinks at once thing. Completely on board with that. It's the multiple coffees at once, because I only ever have two coffees at oh, once. No, I'm a man. No, I'm a multiple drinker. I get that. Yeah, I'm a multiple drinker. I'll have a, I'll have like a protein shake, a coffee, and a juice. Yeah, yeah, all at once. I'll go at the same time. Yeah, I'm cool with that. But I'll never have more than two coffees at once. Well, I, no, one at a time. That's the idea. One at a time. I don't, I don't drink them all at once. I mean, I mean, basically, <laughs> I basically, I mean, I'd love, right. I genuinely, I'd love to see you drink eight cups at once. That'd be amazing. But no, I just find myself switching every once in a while. It's like, what am I in the mood for right now? But you know what I'm imagining? Because it's eight cups. Just like a domino effect with Russ. Like, all the eight cups on a table, somebody tips it. Russ is <laughs> his mouth open, and the coffee just pours in his mouth. And his laptop's taped to the table, and he's just <laughs> like... Oh, no, 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 right. Don't stop us working. I mean, no, please don't. We can't please add a middleman and do a yard of coffee. Oh, yes. <laughs> Yeah, the coffee. We're doing that while we're away, Russ. Um, right, let's talk oh, about. Sorry. Let's talk about because I, I, I'm travelling in a minute, so I've got to go soon. But let's talk about this week's question of the podcast. What is the funniest name you've ever heard? You can get in touch with us in the following ways. So on Facebook, if you just type the kindest project podcast into the search bar, I think, and if you just 
yeah, I've been doing this for so long. Why do I? Why am I uncertain now? Uh, it's strange. Anyway, Twitter went out all the time. Then Dad is staring strangely at the camera. I'm trying to. I'm trying to cut the face. You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you remember those memories you used to have? Yeah. Yeah. I am podcast recordings. How can I help you? Um... Save me, Matt. To record my image, that's no, no. you need my permission. Russ is already recording. I'm panicked, but maybe my coach are on their way. <laughs> Russ, do me a favor take, take this image and just mirror image it. So I've got one full face of this. Ready? <laughs> right, go on, come on. Hello. So if you want to email us directly, we're on the www.thekindnessproject.co.uk. We don't really have anything else, but now I've got some really funny pictures of Dad doing the mirror face thing that I will crop. Um, um, and let's talk about the Kindness Project book. That is out. We've got a date for that. We had a meeting with the publisher last week. We've got a date for that. If it feels like I'm rushing, it's because I am, because I've got some other stuff that I need to get done today, um, uh, including get, getting on a train. But the, we would love you, absolutely uh, adore um, the fact uh, of you supporting the Kindness Project book. It's been a five-year journey in the book, and we have now got the date of publishing, which is Russ. 17th of November. 17th of November is going to be the date the book's out. Um, we would love your help and support um, uh, by buying the book. Uh, and you can sign up for uh, extra goodies uh, on the book by doing the following. Visit the website and click on book. Visit the, the website. The page is self-explanatory. Just visit the website, www thekindnessproject.co.uk and click on book. And I am trying to get Mug of the Week off the ground, so if you just follow Charlotte's Mug of the Week on Instagram, oh, oh, you. you know what? She's, I mean, five years on, she's quite good at promoting her own stuff now, isn't she? Yeah. Like, so we want that. We want her to promote her own stuff. Charlotte's Mug of the Week on Instagram. Uh, and I if might like, start a Twitter. You never know. And if you'd like to... Oh, yes, and the website, charlottedames.com for my articles. Um, which I may be making into a podcast format, starting from the backlog. Um, so yeah, look forward to that. Yeah, all yeah. good, all good stuff. Right, let's talk about. Oh, oh, kindness news. Kindness news. Woo, we um, can do it with more enthusiasm. Yeah, uh, and what I'm going to do in kindness news today is list two of the people in the independence most inspirational people of the year. Uh, starting with Jane Flint Bridgewater. The Abbey List wouldn't be complete without Jane, so one person who nominates this, a long-standing volunteer from Stourbridge in the West Midlands. For the past 13 years, the mother of twins has given up her time to help Twins Trust, which supports families with twin triplets or more. Jane has volunteered for the charity's helpline, Twinline, clocking up more than a 1,000 hours of calls. Jane is welcome in and empathetic, a great listener, always ready to lend a sympathetic ear. Anyone who speaks with her through Twinline will tell you that she's one of the most positive people you'll ever encounter. Amazing work, Jane. Well done uh, supporting people with twins. Uh, uh, I 
yeah, I know people with twins and I know that it's not a particularly, particularly easy job. So well done for the amazing work you do. Uh, amazing person number two is a guy called Rupert Brooke. Um, guy, he's a boy. Age just seven, Rupert became the youngest person to cycle the 200 miles from London to Paris in just four days. Rupert from Eton in Leicestershire has already raised more than 42,000 for the Ch Children's Bereavement Centre, which supported him when his father Dom Tom died in a tragic work accident when Rupert was just four years old. One person who nominated Rupert said, his courage and determination inspires others. His mantra is, I don't care about things, I just want to make people happy. He's also raised nearly £3,000, uh, sorry, £9,000 for a local hospice. Uh, and on that note, let's move on to the next part of the show. And we've got the final part of our interview with Louise Murdy from HBBS Counselling. Um, talk to me a little bit about the training your organisation does, because I know you deliver amazing work counselling people, but I, when I was doing my research before this interview, I, I, I was surprised, actually, about the amount of training you do. So talk to me a bit about that. Yes, I mean, it's not it's not something that's our main focus, obviously, um, yes. but what we feel is, it is as an area of, of expertise we have in sort of bereavement and loss. So a lot of that is... Um, is informal so it does happen it happens with sort of other professionals um work in schools and so on um so uh, and also as well we do we have in the past i mean we haven't done so much post-covid to be honest but we have in the past sort of you know run training sessions in schools and for other organizations essentially on emotional well-being but largely on supporting people dealing with loss and you know and as you say giving practical support and ideas to people who are potentially struggling or looking to support other people so yeah. we can do that as it, it's 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 um it, it it's it's more um we sort of do it on request rather than a regular offer it's yeah. bespoke to anyone that asks for support and advice and um because every situation is different but it's just really a way of us feeling like you know we're using our expertise to support local people in different ways really i suppose the interesting thing about that is you know there's a there could be a bit of a sort of pebble in the pond effect if you help other people with the tools they can help their friends and family as well i mean i think you've got to be careful about the fact that they're not professional counselors but as, as i said equipping people with the ideas potentially support is an interesting one um and i know i know we read about i, I read on the website about the kids in it together club tell me a bit more about that yes now that's something else which we need which is kind of you know has really fallen by the wayside sadly at the moment in the sort of post um um COVID. Oh, good yes so we um so this was started um about 10 years ago when we started our children's bereavement service so um that was then then we had counsellors who were working with individual children. Often these were um, individual children um, and they they didn't really know of anyone else in a similar situation to their own. So that sort of isolation, um, sort of why me, um, what have I done wrong, all of those sorts of uh, emotions which are quite common in children, um, that they were kind of experiencing in isolation. So the thinking behind it was that actually it would be good to follow on from our counselling and offer an activity group. 
um and this was um you know with sort of christmas party we did uh sort of days at um uh, the outdoor activity center yeah. um, went to the ski did dry skiing at ski slope easter parties um you know trips trips to farms those sorts of things so that ran um quite successfully but it's not it doesn't appear at the moment to be immediately relevant or the right idea for young people now nice. um and i think nice. that it's it it was fabulous and it served a, a really valuable purpose it brought children together i mean sometimes you'd have uh, our work is so confidential you'd have two children turn up to uh to an event and they'd be in the same class at school I and they had know. no idea they had no idea and equally the parents had no idea that the family was in a similar situation so it did bring people together and i'm sure that there are young people and, and parents who are still in touch with each other now yeah. um, it was more it was better received with the younger children the yes. older children were um felt a bit like um i don't want to be uh I don't want to be singled out as being different. Um, I've got my friends. I don't need any more friends. Um, sure. So that was so that was an area that we were trying to look at. Um, but it uh, but uh, the children who started with the with the club um, were now sort of seventeen or eighteen. Um, so um, we've sort of been on it on their on their journey with them for for all the years pre COVID. But it doesn't. It's it's as a as a as a group. It, it's kind of lost its momentum. The, the 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 young people that it really supported are now young adults. Um, and I'm sure they look back fondly on their time that they spent doing the activities. But this is a different world in terms of a bringing people together, which obviously caused us to pause the project over in COVID. Yes. And even and even at Christmas, uh, last Christmas, um, you know, we sort of looked at it again and thought, you know, is are we going to pull people together from quite a wide geographical area? And is it the right thing to do in an inside space and so on? So we felt it wasn't appropriate. But we've kind of so it's lost its momentum, and but we've got funding for it, and we need to we need to come across them. We know we need to decide on a model to to take it forward. Um, but you see, maybe the climate's we, we've talked about this a lot, but maybe the climate's different. Um, and I think schools are, you know, schools are, are, are more receptive to these sorts of issues. We're getting more requests from schools about supporting groups of young people or how do we talk about how do we talk to children about this bereavement in the school community and, and things like that, that maybe even the children are not as isolated as they were. Yeah. yeah, ten years on, it, things are very different on the sort of mental health side, aren't they? Well, I think I think I think kids, funny enough, and talking to my two girls about it, um, uh, and people on the podcast, I think kids are more open to conversations about mm -hmm. mental health now than than yeah. ten years ago, and that's a great thing because uh, you know, I think the last thing you want is not to know as a parent i don't know how you feel about it louise if, oh, if, yeah. if my kid if my girls are going through something i want to be there to support them and have open honest and frank conversations about mental health as opposed to assume that everything's fine you know and, yeah. and we, we've said already haven't we you know that i'm fine statement is normally covering up covering up quite a lot of of other stuff i suppose the interesting thing and i, I think you know you're not 
alone in in, in your world and uh, you know uh, I think we all go through this in our own lives how do you continue to evolve to deliver the the best in the best way in terms yeah. of what you do well I that, think so. that's interesting yeah I think I think the, the way that it is is it's um funded by BBC Children in Need right um as part of the um primary primary bereavement service that they fund for us um and that 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 money will shortly be coming to an end anyway but they've been very happy for us to redirect that into individual counseling okay. yeah, yeah. So, and you know when you say well you know we've got to have our niche and we've got to you know you've got to concentrate on your core work and our core work is individual counseling yeah, yeah, at a yeah. time where um delivering uh sort of parties or outings wasn't possible we, we diverted that and maybe that's our specialism and that's our niche and certainly the funder hasn't minded us doing that and it's meant that we've been able to support more children through individual counseling yeah, so, so you, you know, I think continue, it, it, continue it, to it, add value yeah, it, yeah. It, but you know it's like with all things when they have been really good and we really treasured it and we worked hard with it and it was a you know it was a unique project and um and, and we had lots of positive feedback from it it's always hard to it's been on the back burner and we probably need to as you say to to have that sort of strategic decision of there is no immediately obvious alternative at the moment so maybe it's not needed and maybe yeah. we just need to adjust focus to that on, focus on the money yeah yeah <laughs> deal, deal with the loss deal with the yeah. loss and um you know and and move on really so yeah now, one one of the things that, that that I also sort of looked at on the website is, um, sorry, two seconds, just bear with me. Sophie, needs to be quiet. Yeah, sorry, that's my youngest who's doing summer holiday who decided uh-huh. to just play music um, <laughs> while I'm trying to do a podcast interview. Now, one of one of the things that um, uh, we I did sort of um, uh, look at on the website is the area of trauma support. Right. Can you give me an example of of how that look, what that looks like, the support that you help people through in this area, and how that works practically? Okay, right. Well, we're in the same sort of territory really in terms of confidentiality, but sure. uh, I've got an idea. I've got a plan for this. So what I thought was, um, if I picked a sort of an, uh, 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 I guess a, a nationwide issue or something that everybody would have heard of and then I would tell you if that was in our locality what 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 potentially we could do yeah so um obviously I could have picked something very recent in Liverpool but that's all very very fresh in our minds isn't it so uh what I thought was I would talk a little bit about uh the scenario of the um the the young woman with additional needs who was who went missing from their family accommodation from a holiday in Malaysia and sadly, her body was found, wasn't it, in a in a jungle area. Now, um, there's all sorts of things that have gone on since then in terms of, you know, the police investigation and the the sort of lack of care of the holiday resort and and so on and so on. But but all of that aside, what I thought was I would sort of just say to you, well, if that happened to it to a young woman from Havering, what sort of thing would we do? Okay. Because we have been involved in, you know, in, in really serious things that happened in our locality, but obviously that gets you know, that gets very complicated to talk about. So, sure. yeah, so, so this this young girl was called Nora, and um, so she was fifteen. She had two siblings who were in the room that she disappeared from, and 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 she was on holiday with her parents. Now, um, we would be, we would, um, we don't, we're not on the front foot. 
So we don't do that. I hate the term ambulance chasing, but you know what I mean by that. So we don't contact people and say, um, you know, we're here right at, at the moment where it happens. But usually through our support network that we we are contacted at some point, either by um, sort of statutory health services or um, health visitors or work, uh, workers from a children's centre or, um, or the schools. So that tends to be, you know, they would contact us and say, it would most often it would be the school to the head teacher from the school who would obviously be in shock themselves from what they just heard would be a bit like we know this we know this family you know this this girl was at our school how on earth do we deal with it with the school community um because obviously the head teacher has got their professional uh, responsibilities but they've got to personally deal with the shock as well so it's a, would, so that that trauma isn't. I mean, as you say, that trauma isn't only the trauma of the family. No. it's the impact on the community it has yeah. when you hit right. Yeah. So say for example, so that the, so obviously I think that the the, the, the trauma and the impact of that on the family would you know it is it, 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 it doesn't need to be described here, does it? Really, I think it would be an, an overwhelmingly um, traumatic, upsetting experience so um but then on the other hand that, that so there are there are things that we would do pure bereavement counseling doesn't really come into place until somebody's within the grieving process right and that tends to that would normally be two or three months after the death um but something like this is that there's emotional well-being support through counseling which is available to process the shock so it's still counselling, but it's not bereavement counselling. Yeah, yeah. And and it could be that the the family members are reaching out for help immediately. It might be that they're still in a you know in in a position where they're dealing with such a wide range of issues they they can't even really articulate what that shock is. Yeah. So, but so and with all of us, we need to be at a place where we feel receptive to help for that to be beneficial and up until that point we probably would reject it anyway so so, so let me just one question that springs to mind where how how might so as you say if it was a if it was an issue that that was in within your remit how broadly could you provide trauma support would it be only to the families would it be to no, kids in the class yeah. who how, how, how do you define where you where you sort of draw the line really well what we do is we, we sort of immediately respond to do everything anything that anybody asked yeah right. so if that was if that was the director of education wanted advice about a press release you know we would we would help, help with that and that would that would be at no cost um, to anyone because at that particular point no one no one wants to you know it's not appropriate right. to go down the money route is it so our immediate response is always whatever's needed so we have um, we've done things where we've been at parents meetings in schools we've we've stood with the head teacher our team have stood with the head teacher at the gate we've had yeah. um, sort of open sessions where teachers or students or parents could pop in. To the school to see a counsellor, um, just just to yeah, whatever they whatever they want. But that, that's that's a really interesting point, isn't it? Like sort of, I think sometimes we forget that if yeah, the teachers are professionals, but they they the, the impact of trauma, particularly for kids they know and have told, um, there's a mental impact to that as well for those professionals, right? 
Well, absolutely. So, so they, so, and also as well, there's that real fear of making things worse, of not doing the right thing. Yeah, um, and, yeah. and, and, and predominantly the advice to other professionals is actually, what do you think? Yes, do it. Yeah, we don't actually yeah, yeah. have to tell them what to do because yeah. the head teacher will say, well, I was thinking, you know, I'll get the staff together and then, um, you know, and I'll tell them what's happened and then I'll give them time to think about it, tell them they can come and see me or, um, you know, whatever it is. And we sort and of normally say, it's the right answer, but they just need to meet the student about it. Like, yeah, 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 and you go, yeah. Well, you know, the school community, you know, your staff. And they said, well, I've already identified a couple of people who I need to keep an eye on and so on. And would you be able to do this for them if they ask? Would you be able to do that? And we go, yeah, yeah, yeah. We could do all those things so it's really enabling people to deal with it with confidence yeah but it would but it wouldn't necessarily it wouldn't it wouldn't necessarily stop at any given point so yeah. you know it could be the grandparents it could be the lollipop lady or man crossing patrol you know it could be them it could be the you know it could be the cleaner who always saw you know who who sat at lunch and yeah. had their you know it, it doesn't it, it it could be anybody so that's what we would do so We've got little pots of funding, which is where I was coming back, you know, so we've got little pots of funding for different groups of different things that we could do. And we would endeavour to do, you know, immediate responses free, we would do whatever we could for free. If it then turns into a longer term relationship, then it may be that we need to set a fee for that work. Yeah. But but that comes way down the line. You know that's a, that's not about a counselor being in the in the uh, in in the office for, yeah. for two days. That's about can you come back every week for the next half term or yeah. so yeah. so that's, and that's where we would do that. But um, but but the but the starting point is you need help. We're there for it. Yeah, you know, as long as it's within our remit, we're going to help. Well, absolutely, and if not, then we could, you know, then we could find other things. And and I think it's it it just, you know, it, it's complicated enough for a family that maybe there's maybe legal implications of something that's happened. There's maybe um, insurance complications. There's maybe you know news coverage. No, we don't know anything about any of those areas. But what we can do is we can offer that professional advice and that sort of safe space for uh, for for support, and that's, that's what we do. Yeah. Um, so we're coming to a close now, but before we go, I just wanted to uh, talk to you about Norwich because I know you've been listening to the podcast, <laughs> and producer producer Russ still assumes that Norwich is the best city in the world. He's not going to come on the road; he never comes on interviews. But he he assumes he's still saying that. And now I'm the I, I've never had this before interviewing anybody. You emailed me and said I actually quite like Norwich too. That's Tell me why. Oh no, Russ is on. Russ, tell Um, Russ before before Louise talks. Tell us why Norwich is the best city in the world. Norwich is definitely the way to go. (laughs) (laughs) And Louise, tell us why you think. I mean, I mean, we you two should be working for the Norwich Tourist Board. I Um, think you're out. You're outnumbered, Chris. Does he get outnumbered very often, Russell? This is this is a unique opportunity. It's a unique opportunity for you two. Um, I think I think globally. 
um, most people yeah. would agree with me that Norwich isn't the best city in the world. But state your case for me. Okay, Why is well, Norwich uh, so amazing? Uh, if possible, at this point, I think I should probably sit on the fence. I'm not saying it's my favourite city in the whole world ever, but what I'm saying is that I do really like it. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I was a student in Norwich in the late 80s, which is far too long ago now. I don't really, I don't know whether I really want to admit to that. And, um, uh, another fabulous time and it was a uh, it was a super place I did a lot of work in the city because I was doing uh teacher training I um although it's a campus university and you can be on a campus university and be quite isolated from the city I spent a lot of I know every every I had to spend at least a day a week uh, for four years in schools so yeah. I spent a lot of time traveling around um yeah I love the market I think the marketplace just the general um you know the general atmosphere of the city I think uh, you know I really loved it so well, when I you mean... were talking about it the other day it did make me chortle because um yeah uh, it's one of those things if I could have graduated and stayed with a teaching job in Norwich I absolutely definitely would have done well, I mean, it's it's funny. I mean, I am coming round to... Ross has lived in that part of the world for a few years now. Um, and I am coming round to it because we are going boating on the Norfolk Broads in a couple of weeks, right? aren't we? Not, like, li literally. I mean, I, the problem is, Louise, I, I, I love to travel. The last two years haven't been that great travel-wise, as we know, because of the pandemic. 22, um, 2022, I'm making the most of it. And we, I said to Russ, look, should we do a, a weekend away? Um, uh, uh, clearly, he thinks East Anglia is the place to be. Because we said, should we go to Liverpool? Or should we go <laughs> on a plane and go to, like, I don't know, go to Budapest or do like do something like that? So we're going boating on the Norfolk Broads. He just loves loves Norfolk so much. That wasn't what the problem was. If I lived near Liverpool, we, we would have gone to Liverpool. But... Uh, <laughs> Just don't want to go too far from your house, Rose. That's the thing. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Louise. Tell us a little bit about um, how people can support the work you do. Right. Okay. Well, that's that's a, a good question. Thank you. So, well, first of all, I think it's probably about the mental health agenda anyway, and to you know to to uh, to to speak to people, to support people, um, yeah. and encourage them to get help when they need it. You know. You know what? The, really, you know, the most important thing. Really important. The last two or three years, we've had loads of really interesting conversations about mental health. And one of the things that we want to encourage uh, with our listeners is, you know, the, you know, I think there still is a stigma. I think it's reducing over time. There is a stigma about talking about mental health. But talk to somebody you love if you're struggling um, or get some professional help and make sure you get the support you need. And thank you for coming on and sharing your experience because I think the more we talk about this stuff, the more people can realise that actually it's not um, it's not a conversation that people are not comfortable with ha having anymore. Um, and uh, there's plenty of help and support out there. So I appreciate that. Excellent. You're very welcome. That's a, that's that. I went very quickly. Thank you very much. No worries. And where can people find out a little bit more about HBBS counselling and the work you do? I think I think the website is the main point of call, really. So if that's okay to sort of like to do that, it's got contact details on there, um, and um, and anyone makes any inquiries, and, and one of us, probably me, will be sure to get back to them. So. Um, and uh, I yeah, lo loved loved chatting, and I I look forward to. Uh, 
chatting next time and you wearing your I love Norwich t-shirt along with Russ. I'm like, I'm only, like, if I can, only if I can see Russell wearing his as well. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> next, next, next time we'll do that on the interview. Thanks, Louise. All right, thank you very much, Chris. It's always the beginning of something entirely new. That's the last time you're going to hear it in person. Unless you randomly ask me to do it as a party trick. (laughs) I'm so gutted. (laughs) It's truly... I mean, we haven't got any answers to last week's question in the podcast, Russ. We are struggling with answers. Yeah, I, I, I mean, there are times when we get quite a lot. So we need to think of a better way to source answers but we'll uh, we'll keep asking the questions of the podcast on our social media channels to make sure we get some decent responses however let's talk about the fact that this is going to be our last live how are you feeling russ i mean russ is russ never here doesn't, I mean, it doesn't matter because like live podcasts are fame are the exception and not the rule oh, yeah yeah like Zoom weird. podcasts are the exception, not the rule. Oh, no. sorry, no. no Live podcasts are the exception, not the rule. Mm. Although I'm busy in, in a couple of weeks. Well, the week after next. So and you'll be here good. and I won't? Yeah, it'll be weird, Charlotte. So we'll have to do a podcast with me and you in the room, right? Yeah. <laughs> and Charlotte in Scotland. Yeah, um, it's strange. Yeah, yeah. But thank you for all of your... Uh, I'm not leaving the podcast. No, no. Maybe we shouldn't make it a big deal and just break a card. <laughs> on that note, have a lovely week. Um, we'll see you next week on the Climbers Project, uh, where Charlotte will be zooming in from Scotland. D- can you just Scottish accent to finish off for us? No. <laughs> no. No. That doesn't sound Scottish, does it? English Scottish accent? No. I'll just do it. Uh, uh, Russ will be zooming in from... Oh, fuck. I'll be zooming in from London. And... Russ, Russ, <laughs> Russ wants to say something. <laughs> Russ wants to say something. I Come on, Russ. I'm having from the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> you got from the coffee. <laughs> Where's um, Charlotte zooming in from? Uh, Charlotte is zooming in from... Scotland, um, and we we will see. Where from? Is it where from? Glasgow, um, uh, and we'll see you next week, my friends, on the Kindness Project. Bye. Bye. Bye.